Everybody. Welcome to another episode of That's So Kvetch, where we talk about dating Torah and everything in between. I hope you guys are doing well. I know it's been a long time. I am going to explain more in this episode, but I've been taking kind of a break from the podcast, just kind of reflecting and recollecting my thoughts on different things. And, you know, just What I've been up to is just taking it day by day, doing work, working from home. Uh, Right now I'm at my sister's in Farakway for the holiday, and I'll probably be going back after it's over, even though I'm very sad because it's been really nice to be here and just sleep in and eat and nap and totally just have fun with my sister and relax and everything. Um, And on the cusp of not posting an episode, I've been feeling really apologetic about it, and it's just kind of spawned like this whole thought process that I'm going to dive into today. Um, And also, since you guys know that That's So Kvetch is all about dating Torah and everything in between, I'm devoting this episode to the everything in between. I initially made that tagline so that like one day when I really wouldn't want to talk about dating, uh, that I would be able to just have that everything in between part to encompass anything else that I wanted to talk about. So this is definitely that moment for not talking about dating. Um, And truly my heart goes out to all those who are in relationships and having a hard time staying connected with their loved ones or with like living with someone maybe or just in a full-fledged relationship that has been kind of like struggling through this because I know that that can be difficult and I guess the perk of being single during this time is that I have the freedom to say like you know I want to take a break from dating and I'm just frustrated by all these Facebook groups and their way that they pressure single people to put themselves out there when really we just want to watch Netflix, eat pizza, be with our families and not think about dating for a second and that that's okay and we don't have to jump into the dating world. I've been feeling a lot of pressure to like put myself out there and be gung-ho about all of it, but like more of the days that of this quarantine, I would say the majority of the time I've been just like, no, like I just want to not do that. And like, I just associate that with, you know, regular humdrum of life. And maybe that will change, but as of now, it's okay to be like, yeah, I'm just not doing that right now because this is a lot. Because yeah, it's fun to talk to people and it's a good opportunity but also we're in the middle of a pandemic and I find that conversing with a new person and having to appear light and fun while talking about something that's really serious can be really personal and difficult and not such a fun thing to do like these are weird conversations when you're talking to people about a pandemic and kind of making light of it like yeah oh hopefully it changes and it just feels kind of like not so genuine to me and I definitely have had those conversations but I don't necessarily love having them um 
So really, as much as I'd like to pretend that quarantine has been kind of like the zenith of creativity for me, I can definitely say that it hasn't been. But at the same time, there are good things. I've allowed myself a longer break from all my work, and I've really been able to think, relax, and reflect on everything that my life has come to up to this point. And yeah, I think it's just bad to be pressuring people to date and pressuring people to write a novel or come up with the next best thing. I had friends be like, oh, you can come up with so many podcasts now. And I think that I want would have liked to, but it's just not necessarily feasible in this time. And I'm learning to forgive myself for that. And it's really hard for me to take breaks, especially when you're trying to kind of like develop a brand and be like an artist freelancer person. It's really important to have frequency and consistency. Like I always have this mantra in my mind, frequency and consistency is key. It's on a post-it at my desk at work. Um, But what I've really decided in the past few weeks is to really listen to my heart and just do what makes me happy and take this opportunity to see where I am and refocus on what I want. Um, And notice how far I've come in maturity with friendships and things like that, but also recognize the areas where I could grow and continue to grow. And that's kind of like the running theme of what I'm going to be talking about. So I find that there are like certain parts of my life where I feel not so good about. And sometimes, and I've been having some reflecting with my sister. I'm like, wow, I've come so far. Like, I don't feel that way. But at the same time, these things are things that I still kind of struggle with. Like as much as I'd like to pretend, oh yeah, like, do you remember my sophomore year of college when like I just was drinking all the time and like being crazy? Like, thank God I don't do that anymore. But also, you know that was probably a way of me dealing with my anxiety and now I deal with it in different ways. So like, yes, I think that it's good to be like, oh yeah, this struggle is done with, but it's also important to open up that struggle and kind of find like where we can open up ourselves to new ways of developing. Um, And just some examples of things that I feel guilty about are, or just struggle with in general. One thing that I've noticed is like my inability to be okay with change and I think that a lot of people deal with this but it like definitely is one of those things that hits me super hard like when you know we're moving to different places like come June July August like there will be a lot of people moving around and switching apartments and all these different things and I think watching my friendships change and shift is something that's really hard for me and has been hard for me in the past but also me acknowledging that it is hard when my friendships with friends change, say like I'm closer with a friend or less closer, we get in a fight or something like that. Or even watching like my friends get closer and then me feeling kind of left out. Like that's something that I struggle with um, and continue to struggle with. And another thing that I struggle with is my religious guilt. I think that I often have this like voice in my head that tells me like I'm not doing things the right way. And I think that people often feel they need to be a certain way religiously. Um, Maybe this doesn't relate to some people, but I find like everyone kind of feels that need to be a certain way when it comes to leading a religious lifestyle, if that's something that they're interested in. And so I just like remember this story with my friend where, you know, because like this is something I really struggle with. And I remember telling her um, she's a little more religious than I was. I told her so it's really not fair I feel like the religious system kind of favors people who are more obedient and more kind of to themselves because like if you're someone who likes to stay in and likes to be pretty 
I don't know, modest all the time, then this is something that comes easy for you. It's just a regular part of your comfortable lifestyle. But for someone like me who wants to go out and wants to experience the world, I find that like the temptations are louder for me and it's more difficult for me to say, no, I don't want to be a part of that or just hold back in general from things that I don't consider pure in the life that I want to lead. But with my friend, she, she got really mad, I remember, and she said, you know, you that's such a like a small-minded way to see it, Rebecca, because you never know what people are struggling with. And just because you think, oh, like, well, what you're doing is giving you the most guilt, it doesn't mean that someone else isn't going through guilt in a different way. Like, someone might be experiencing guilt for, like, wanting to always wear long sleeves but struggling and wearing short sleeves. And every person's struggle when it comes to religiosity is like comes out in a different way and it's really not fair to compare struggles so that was just something that I thought was interesting that I learned from that whole like religious guilt thing that everyone really has their own struggle and sometimes it seems like oh wow it's so hard for me and so easy for them or their struggle is unfair and my struggle is more fair but everyone's struggle fashions itself as something that is difficult in their own life so there's really no sense in saying like oh mine's easier mine's not because at the end of the day it's all difficult for each person in their own way it's really not fair to compare struggles and say mine's more difficult because obviously if it's happening to you it feels more difficult and then one third thing that I wanted to mention that I struggle with that I've noticed and I continue to struggle with is obviously my anxiety and it's really always been a changing relationship depending on kind of like what's going on externally in my life and internally and I always I'm just trying to do different things to make it better and I want to just acknowledge that during this pandemic it's definitely something that's taking a hit and I think like I had a really nice conversation with a friend the other day and he kept saying to me like what this is totally normal like you thinking about these things and getting anxious about them it's totally totally normal and it's something I intuitively know but it's really nice when you have someone just like assure you that these things are normal like it's normal to get anxious during this time but I definitely see like on the media it feels like it's not like people are like yeah people you get like a lot of frantic posts but there are also posts that are everyone is having a good time and really just enjoying time with their family and staying in and vacationing but I think even though there's an undercurrent even though it's like an overcurrent that things are good and we're enjoying ourselves and we're drinking and having fun and watching Netflix and staying in and wearing pajamas. It's also like there is an undercurrent of uncertainty about the future that, yeah, it's great for now, but like, you know, this isn't the life we necessarily want to lead all the time. And hopefully at some point we wouldn't, we can go back to normal and everyone will be safe and healthy and we won't have to worry about this. But there's really no telling right now how long that's going to last. And it's a pretty scary reality that things are really going to be different from now for maybe more than a year or two and that that's just the reality that we're going to be facing. Um, so really my current anthem has been that it is okay to not be productive during this time because we're dealing with the pandemic and if there's anything that you can gain from this episode it's that my message to you is to forgive yourself for not doing that thing that you've been trying to do and it's also my bracha to me because clearly I've been struggling with forgiving myself for not uploading a podcast episode. And so I really wanted to focus on that voice in your head that tells you what you're doing wrong. And 
I feel like I have this voice in my head that tells me like, oh, you're not being productive about this. Oh, like, why are you chilling? You really need to get up and go and do things like this. But then there's like, you know, the religious guilt voice and the anxious voice, like religious guilt voice, like, oh, like you're such a fraud. You don't do things the right way. And you go around pretending you're this like person, but really you have all these secrets that you hide. And then the anxious voice is like, you're so stupid. Like, why are you anxious? Why are you so delicate? And like, it's funny because when I say the things that the voice says, it sounds like really freaking harsh, but I think that we are our own harshest critic. And I, I recently had this conversation with my sister where I was kind of just talking about random things. And she's like, you know what, Rebecca, like you just have this band of angry women and we speak Russian, our parents are Russian. So they're basically called the babas, which is like a Russian word for like an, an old hag for lack of other words. So she said, like, you have these babas who, like, this angry band of women in your head who tell you that you need to be a certain way. And she's like, it's so crazy because they come out at different times. Like, it's not your closest friends. It's, like, random people who, like, bring up these insecurities in you that, like, chase you around and, like, they're really harsh and really judgmental. And so it's really just been funny kind of talking to her about, like, kind of fashioning the inner critic as like these mob of angry women who just have way too much of a say over things in my life as she claims and as much as I like to pretend I'm someone who doesn't care about what people think and like I see myself as a pretty confident person I think that through quarantine and through my self-reflection I've noticed that like I do care and I feel like I'm trying to actually work on that and not get so bogged down by the outside influences of the world and be more true to myself and what I need and what I want to be and kind of like just what works for me and not thinking so much about what I think other people want from me and what they expect to see from me because people really aren't thinking about me as much as I even like to think and I think that's true for other people too because everyone's very focused on themselves in our day and age and so that is what it is. But I also recently learned that many people with anxiety or anyone going through an anxious experience has that voice in their head that is constantly in their life. And sometimes it's kind of like a voice of a mom or the voice of a friend that they care a lot about. But I guess for me, it's in these voice of these angry mob of women. Don't ask. I don't know. Uh, so recently, my friend gave me a book because it's time for reading. Um by Brene Brown and Brene Brown is someone I've been trying to sort of get into and like have been a little skeptical about but I know that she's awesome and after reading her book I can definitely feel myself slowly being a part of this of all of her she has a lot of interesting things to say and I feel like I've really been thankfully using the the tools that she's been writing about for myself personally and I've been really enjoying the different things that she's had to share. So one of the things that she talks about is how these inner critics, she calls them gremlins, and that they make you feel shame. And she talks a lot about what you need to do to get rid of this feeling of shame is to cultivate shame resilience, which brings me into this book that I've read. It's called The Gifts of Imperfection. And this one is one where she kind of like has a whole guide to wholehearted living and a lot of guideposts and each chapter is a guidepost of how to get to this life of wholehearted living and the guideposts are like cultivating authenticity 
cultivating self-compassion, resilient spirit, and each one kind of goes into different ways of how you ultimately would live a life of wholehearted living, which is a life where everything, I mean, she has a definition for it, but it's like a life where you're happy and you're really living your life to your fullest. That's how I would distill it, definitely. Um, so one of the things I want to focus on is her topic of cultivating a resilient spirit, which is how like you cultivate shame resilience. And I'm just going to go through a bunch of quotes that she says, because she says it obviously much better than I could say it, and then talk about them. The first one is, here are the first things that you need to know about shame. We all have it. Shame is universal and one of the most primitive human emotions that we experience. The only people who don't experience shame lack the capacity for empathy and human connection. Number two, we are all afraid to talk about shame. And number three, the less we talk about shame, the more control it has over our lives. Then she goes on to say later, People often want to believe that shame is reserved for the folks who have survived terrible traumas, but this is not true. Shame is something we all experience, and while it feels as if shame hides in our darkest corners, it actually tends to lurk in all of the familiar places, including appearance and body image, family, parenting, money, and work, health, addiction, sex, aging, and religion. To feel shame is to be human. And I just think this idea of shame resilience is like such a vulnerable topic, and I just even like, I'm still wrapping my head around it, and I think part of me it's just, it's like, it makes you have to really rid yourself of any thoughts about what people might think of you because it kind of requires you to admit that there's something in your life that brings you shame, those of which I've admitted previously in this episode. And then you have to be humble enough to say, like, I feel bad about this and I want to fix this and what can I do to fix these things? So shame needs three things, this is Brene again, to grow out of control in our lives. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. When something shaming happens and we keep it locked up, it festers and grows. It consumes us. We need to share our experience. Shame happens between people and it heals between people. If we can find someone who has earned the right to hear our story, we need to tell it. Shame loses power when it is spoken. I know I said earlier I really don't see myself as someone who has shame, but... I think that it's important to share these stories so that we see how other people are going through a similar struggle. And I think that sometimes, like, I mentioned, oh yeah, I see, I keep saying, like, I see myself as this, I see myself as that, but I think sometimes our view of ourselves kind of gets truly in the way of who we are, and it's like a, it's like a defense, like, oh yeah, but like, that's not me, I don't, I don't, I don't fit in with that, but the next question that she answers that I'm going to dive into is how do we actually try to cultivate this shame resilience where we don't feel that feeling anymore of shame? And she goes, after a decade of research, and her research is through talking to people and gathering tons of stories, and it's really interesting when you look more into it, I found that men and women with high levels of shame resilience share these four elements. One, they understand shame and recognize what messages and expectations trigger shame for them. Number two, they practice critical awareness by reality checking the messages and expectations that tell us that being imperfect means being inadequate. Number three, they reach out and share their stories with people they trust. And number four, they speak shame. They use the word shame, they talk about how they're feeling, and they ask for what they need. And one thing I was just thinking about when I was reading this is that it's important to remember these things of shame resilience, but it's also important to think like, this isn't something that we can just take these tools and apply it to our life and then they're done with. I think it's 
something that's gonna that takes a part of your life the entirety of your existence and it's really about developing a practice of shame resilience like I'm not just going to come out of quarantine never ever caring about what people think it's just continuing to recognize and work with yourself and not letting yourself get too bogged down about what people think and what you think society assumes you should be um and then I'm just going to finish this off with a Brene Brown quote that I really like. And basically the quote is, Fitting in and belonging are not the same thing. And in fact, fitting in gets in the way of belonging. Fitting in is about assessing a situation and becoming who you need to be to be accepted. Belonging, on the other hand, doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. And I think sometimes I'm triggered by that question. Like, you know, one of my favorite tropes, if you've ever talk to me is just like the struggle to define yourself in the age of identity and how we're all in our 20s but we have to figure out who we are and go on dates and talk about what we want in life but also like we're so young and we're really still trying to figure it out so it just feels like such a mess to have to constantly answer that question and but it's such a part of our life day to day. I think it's a hard question but it's also an important one to revisit because I think sometimes we carry these things that we believe about ourselves but aren't necessarily true to who we are and when we say like oh who are you and you revisit that question you rid yourself of everything of your past and you think who I am now what do I want what is my future hold and how do I hope things will be different and just not thinking about how other people see you and kind of like all the stuff just totally distilling it to who am I right now what do I want not anything to do with who the person you're trying to be is a very freeing mindfulness experience to go through and just ask yourself every once in a while. So as you can see, I've been thinking a lot about different mindfulness ideas, which is what I really wanted to talk about in this episode and something I've been working on in relation to working on my anxiety and figuring out different tools to make things better and just reading about Brene Brown and just like really diving into the self-help world is also my relationship to spirituality. I think that one of my, in the stereotype that I'm trying to fit into, that person is very spiritual and not even stereotype, just like the person I aspire to be is very spiritual. And so I think that I come off that way. People ask, oh, whatever, like you're spiritual, etc. But I think that there's more for me to grow. Like there's more room in that realm for me to grow. So I've been working, I've been reading this book about Imuna, which is trusting in God. And not really, I think like the idea of Imuna seems kind of fluffy. So I really try to, in general with Torah concepts, I believe that they're all really relatable to our daily lives. And so I am bringing that same mentality into my study of Imuna as a powerful tool to enable my life to the fullest. And one of the, this book that I'm reading is called Living Amuna, Achieving a Life of Serenity Through Faith by Rabbi David Ashir. And it's a great book, just lots of little chapters about Amuna and how it's a great tool. And one of the things that I read about and actually started singing out loud when I was reading it is the phrase, Baruch HaGever Asher Yiftach Hashem, if one trusts in Hashem, his life is a blessing and Amun is something I've been like especially interested in because in the next coming months there's going to just be a lot of change in my life with switching jobs and things like that and 
who knows? Like, there's just a lot of, I'm not sure what's going to be different, but there's a lot of, just in a few months, I'm going to be in a different place, different job, and who knows what else. So I am wanting to work on the Imuna aspect to really kind of get myself ready for that. And it's really interesting reading both of these books in tandem, like the Brene Brown book and the Jewish book, because I find when you're reading like a Jewish self-help book, um, there's just a very different tone. It's kind of like a little harsher, um, like a expectation that, and it's like harsh and kind of like get results immediately. It's like having a Muna will help decrease your anxiety. It's a powerful tool. Like it's just, it's, it's kind of like a more masculine language, I would say. I remember in English in high school, we learned about like masculine and feminine language and how more feminine language came into literature through time, but that, that it, the feminine voice really wasn't there for a while. So I just feel like this book, and it makes sense. I mean, it's written by a guy. It's very like logic, like this is it miss out on the joys in life when you worry and you stress but if you just allow God to be a part of your life and believe in him all the time that he knows what's best for you then everything's going to be okay and I think that there are a lot of people who are listening to this and think like oh like so not relatable to me like God loves you trust in God he's there for you it's very like Doug it might come off in like not a way that everyone would relate to but and it's okay like the Taurus speaks to me and I think that, but I think that everyone can benefit from spirituality in their lives in some sense. And I found this quote in Brene Brown that kind of like ties it together where she talks about spirituality and the positive impact in your life that is not related to Judaism. And this is the quote. Again, I didn't find that any one interpretation of spirituality has the corner on the resilience market. It's not about denominations or dogma. Practicing spirituality is what brings healing and creates resilience. For me, spirituality is about connecting with God, and I do that most often through nature, community, and music. We all have to define spiritually in a way that inspires us. Whether we're overcoming adversity, surviving trauma, or dealing with stress and anxiety, having a sense of purpose, meaning, and perspective in our lives allows us to develop understanding and move forward. Without purpose, meaning, and perspective, it is easy to lose hope numb our emotions, or become overwhelmed by our circumstances. We feel reduced, less capable, and lost in the face of struggle. The heart of spirituality is connection. When we believe in that inextricable connection, we don't feel alone. So, I love how she made it, how she brought in spirituality without putting it into any specific religion, because I like to believe that leading a life of spirituality brings you joy and if that spirituality is connected to communion with Hashem or with some other god then that is what it is but if you just feel spiritual just being around nature whatever it is it's good I think in this time to cultivate those areas of spirituality so that basically ends off my episode and I hope that you are all doing well and forgiving yourself and I hope that you all have a wonderful Shabbos to round off this crazy hog that we've been going through. And just a shout out to my sister for everything she's been doing for me and all the food she's been feeding me and all of our walks just being great to me. So shout out to Anna. Love you so much. Bye, everybody. Oh,